stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo to talk about passive income and investing in stocks. So getting passive income was all the rage during the pandemic. One of the main reasons or ways that people were getting passive income was taking on side hustles. People are starting YouTube channels. They were becoming TikTok influencers. They were buying real estate, you know, houses and apartments to Airbnb them. But all those side hustles do take up a lot of time and energy. I don't know if any of you have started a YouTube channel, but it's not easy. It's especially not easy to get to it where you're actually getting some of that passive income. It can take a while. It can take up to a year or more to get enough downloads and subscribers in order to start getting some paychecks from YouTube. But what if there was a way to get the passive income without putting all that time and effort into it? It does sound too good to be true though, right? So yes, there is always a catch. You don't get passive income without giving up something for it. And in this case, with stocks, you're going to need some money. You're going to need some cold, hard cash in order to buy those stocks that pay the dividends out so that you can get the passive income. So I'm not saying it's easy and can be done overnight either with stock investing, but it might not take you a year or more to actually get some kind of income like it might with YouTube or TikTok, or maybe you never get it with some of these other side hustles and ways to get passive income. But let's talk about the basics because I always kind of gloss over this and then I realize, well, maybe people are completely new at trying to get passive income from stocks and they don't know anything. So I wanted to cover even just what it is and why it is that you're getting some income when you buy some stocks. So when you buy a share of stock, you become an owner. You actually own a portion of whatever company that is that you're buying. This is often overlooked because we're doing everything on our phones now. We're buying and selling shares on there, and we don't stop to really think about what is it that we're buying and selling. It's not just some digital thing that's, you know, again, showing up on our phone, it is actually a share of a company. Now, in return for giving the company your money to get a share, you are um, actually, as an owner, getting a share of that company's free cash flow. Um, You know, for the ones who are making money, some of the companies will pay out that money back to the owners. And that is usually what is called the dividend. So um, I'm not going to cover share buybacks on this podcast, but that's another way that you as an owner can uh, get a benefit from the company by being an owner. We're only going to cover the dividend portion. So the dividend is the Uh, money, the cash that is paid out by the company back to the shareholders. There's sometimes just the, the regular dividend, as we call it, the standard or the basic dividend. Sometimes there's a variable one that's one that's paid, uh, you know, not every quarter. It might be sometimes they call it a special dividend 
where the company just announces, hey, we have all this extra cash and we've decided to give some more back to our shareholders and you're going to get a dollar a share this quarter. So that's just a one-time payout. Um, but most people pay attention to just the, the regular dividend, the standard one that's paid out every quarter. But not all companies do this. Not all companies pay the dividend. Think about uh, Tesla, a lot of growth companies. They are busy spending their cash, reinvesting it back into the dip, into the business to grow business, not to pay back the shareholders. So you get some growth companies that don't pay any dividends, but others that do, like an Apple, for instance, that does. Uh, but some companies, especially real estate investment trusts, or they're commonly called REITs, R-E-I-T-S, that's uh, short for real estate investment trust, those own real estate. So they own uh, just about anything, apartments, shopping malls, hotels, hospitals, storage units, data centers, uh, you know, just about anything you can think of, telephone towers. Um, but each one kind of usually specializes in their one certain thing. So you usually will have a REIT that just owns hotels. And this type of structure, the REIT, you have to pay out, these REITs pay out 90% or more of their taxable profits back to the shareholders. So with the REIT, you actually know that you're going to get something, hopefully, if they have taxable profits, and it's going to be a big chunk of what those taxable profits are. But with non-REITs, and that's mostly what I'm going to talk about today, the dividends can be raised, they could be lowered, they can be halted or started basically at whim. Usually the board of directors decides, they, they meet every quarter, they decide, hey, are we going to pay that dividend or are we cutting it or what are we doing with it? And they will vote on what to do every quarter. If the company is struggling financially, it may cut or suspend the dividend. And this has happened pretty often. So you do have to keep that in mind too. But if you really want to look for companies that have paid dividends every quarter, um, you might want to look for ones that have been doing it for a long period of time. Although I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, that's not necessarily a guarantee, but we're going to look at past behavior and hopefully uh, you know, it continues on into the future. So there is this thing called the dividend aristocrats. You might see this uh, name like kind of, you know, out and about if you start looking up dividends. And what those are are companies in the S&P 500, which have paid dividends every quarter for at least 25 years, but they've also raised the dividend all that time. Now, many times it could just be one cent. One cent is all it takes. Uh, and not every quarter. They just raise it one quarter, but then the rest of that year will be the one cent higher. Um, but you do that for 30 years and it really starts to add up as that dividend starts to compound. But where do you find these dividend aristocrats? Like I said, if you start looking around at dividends, you'll see this term kind of thrown out there. So, of course, I Googled it just to kind of see who is on the list right now. 
and Google does provide some lists. So I clicked on some of the links there, and one of them was the World of Dividends website, and it lists 67 companies that are on the list of dividend aristocrats as of June 20th, 2023. You can also find a list pretty easily by looking at the holdings of the ETFs that invest in the dividend aristocrats. And if you Google that, um, which I did, I found the ProShares S&P 500 Dividend Aristocrats ETF. That was just kind of the first one that popped up. There's probably some more that also track the Dividend Aristocrats. And this ticker is N as in Nancy, O, B as in boy, L, N-O-B-L, like noble without the E, N-O-B-L. And that one had 66 holdings. I'm not sure why one has 67, one has 66, but maybe someone is just qualified to get in it. And the ETF hasn't yet captured that. That would be my guess. Um, since inception of this ETF on October 9th, 2013, it has an annual return of 10.67%. That's pretty impressive. It's almost 10 years now getting that 10%. The yield on it right now is 1.5%, but it does have an expense ratio that's a little pricier at 0.35%. So you are giving up a bit to have them manage and you know find all the dividend aristocrats and keep track and for you to buy them all as a group through the um, ETF there, NOBL. But I looked at the list just to kind of see what's on it and how I could combine it with the Zach's rank to get a top Zach's rank of number ones or number twos and see who is a top Zach's rank, who has been paying and raising their dividend for at least 25 years, and what is it looking like with some of those stocks. So your instinct when you're, if you're doing what I'm doing, might be to try to find those that pay the highest dividend, right? Um, but the highest dividend stocks are not always the ones that are the best performers. Usually a dividend is really high for a reason. And what is really high, I would say over 5% is really high for just a non-REIT, just your regular average company. Um, doesn't mean that there's something wrong with the company or the business, uh, especially if you're looking at something in the commodities. If the commodity prices are higher, a lot of the commodities companies will pay higher dividend yields. Um, and we saw that with energy last year when the prices spiked in the Ukraine war. Cents come down, but some of the energy is paying over 5%. But for a non-commodities company, it's a little bit more of a red flag to have a really high dividend because something else is going on there. So I took a look at the list and I didn't look at the dividend yield at all. And I just plugged some tickers into Zax.com because I was thinking, how hard is it to find some number ones and number twos? There's got to be some on this list. Well, it took me quite a while. <laughs> there were a lot of number threes because when I'm recording this on June 20th, 2023, we're well past the first quarter earnings season, which is when the Zach's rank will change quite a bit. And when the earnings estimates are raised, 
So we're a couple months past the beginning of the earnings season when a lot of S&P 500 companies report. So those earnings estimates have all been adjusted and some of them have probably fallen off because second quarter earnings season is coming up rapidly here in July. And then we're gonna get changes in the earnings estimates again, which means changes in the Zacks rank. So the Zacks rank is kind of settled back down. Not as many ones and twos unless they're on the fiscal year or something like that. Um, many more are number threes and nothing wrong with number three, that's the holds. But a lot of these big caps, again, will just kind of settle to those number threes when you're well past earnings season like we are. So it did take me a while, and I, but I did find some, uh, even though we are past the earnings season. So I'm pleased to report I found three. I didn't look at all of them, but once I found the three, I was like, okay, we're going to go with these. But I did want to talk about a couple that have some of the highest uh, yields right now to show you what that could mean and why it's it can be a little dicey to invest in the ones with only the highest yields, even though they've been paying them for 25 years. So let's talk about the, the best ones now with the highest ranks at least, and what's going on with those. And I um, picked that maybe we haven't talked about in a long time on any of the podcasts. Okay, so the first one is Cintas, ticker C, T is in Tom, A is in Adam, S is in Sam, C-T-A-S. It is a number two. Cintas is the uniform company. And this stock has been soaring for a number of years. And so I've been keeping my eye on it because it was doing better than some of the tech companies for a while. And even for sure, like some of the chip companies. So Cintas used to report earnings on like the same day as Micron, but I think they moved it now because maybe they just got tired of being on the same day as Micron and all the glory was, you know, going to Micron and nobody cared about uniforms. But I have noticed that it was not on the same day recently. So good for them if they moved it up a week or a couple of days. But uh, no shame in what the stock has done. So year to date, though, it's up 7.5%. So that is underperforming the S&P 500. But two years, it's up 36.8. And five years, it has a nice return of 157.5% versus just 60% on the S&P 500. Now, they're paying the dividend and they've raised each year since 1983. So going way back there, 40 years on the dividend on Cintas. Um, but uh, dividend is yielding 0.9% right now because the shares have you know, been on such a tear over the last couple of years, and it hasn't been cheap in a while with a PE now of 35 times. But Uniforms uh, has been has been hot on the earnings side. So uh, people have been buying in and the stock has been, as I said, on quite a tear. So that's Cintas, ticker CTAS, uh, Zach's number two right now. Then we're going to switch it over to the tool side with WW Granger, ticker G is in George, WW. GWW, it's also a number two. In April, it raised its dividend 8% for its 52nd consecutive year of raising dividends. 
So I'm not even going to go back that far. Wait, let me think. That would be 1971. 1971. Um, so that's an impressive uh, track record. Again, they do like tools for safety, cleaning, lighting, HVAC. Almost everybody has used Granger. We all go rent something from them for, you know, to clean our porch or whatever's happening, cut some branches off the tree, that kind of thing. But uh, they're big. They are distributor in North America, Japan, and the United Kingdom. What have these shares been doing? So this year, they're pretty hot, up, up 31.3% year to date, two years up 673 five years up 134.7. And remember, the S&P's up just 60% in that five-year period. This one's a little cheaper, PE of 20 now. And it is also uh, a little bit lower on the dividend at 1% on Granger's dividend. But again, just raised 8% in April. So that's WW Granger. Most people just call it Granger these days. GWW is the ticker. And then we're going to wrap up this part with uh, the third stock. And this is one we all know. And it's Caterpillar, uh, ticker CAT as everybody knows, and it is a Zach's number one rank right now. So this is one of the few number one ranks I did find year to date though. It's up just 0.8%, but it has rallied in the last like two weeks or so here in June because it was, uh, you know, not up prior to that two years. It's only up 15.7, but five years up 72.7%. And that is beating the S and P 500 up 60%, but it's been a little bit of a, like a crazy roller coaster ride during that because Caterpillar does tend to move with commodity prices and then obviously global recessions and that kind of stuff definitely moves the stock. So I'm um, a little more volatile. It is a Zach's number one. Um, and dividend of 2%, PE of this 13.9. And for some reason, I did not look up um, what is going on with Caterpillar's dividend. Um, let's see now. It obviously has been paying for 25 years, but I'm wondering how long. I cannot find 34 years it's been paying. So it's uh, been paying that payout, but at least 25 years it's been raising it. So that's pretty impressive, as all of these are. I mean, we're talking like decades here. And look at everything that's trade happened in that time span. We've had, uh, you know, wars. We had 9-11 attacks. We had a pandemic. We had the Great Recession. Yet these companies paid throughout. They did not pause or suspend as many companies have during all of these events. And they continued to raise, even if it was just a penny, they still continued to raise um, all those years. And that takes a lot of good planning. It takes a lot of good management. Not all end up, you know, sustaining and staying the course, but they uh, so far have managed to do it. And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at track records and uh, conviction and commitment to being shareholder friendly, which all of these companies are. They all announce 
their dividend increases every year with you know fanfare. A lot of them send out separate uh, press releases to talk about how many years like um, Granger, when they raised it, they did say in their 52 consecutive years. So why not? Why not uh, talk up how much money you've given back to your shareholders? Because again, as a shareholder, you own part of the business. And this is the passive income you can get from being an owner in these stocks. So those are the top uh, three that I managed to find that had ones and twos. Um, so you can look through the rest of the list as well. As I said, most were number threes because of the timing right now, but, um, still an interesting list and worth checking out. But what if you did want to look only for that yield because you're, you do get sucked in, right? You see it, a, a yield of over 4% and you're like, wow, imagine if I got that every year for, you know, 10 or 15 years, what it would do, what, how much income it would give me and compound. And sometimes the companies are not struggle, struggling, but they are paying out the larger dividend, especially in the REITs um, or again, in commodities and things. But other times they might have something going on in the background. So you have to be uh, cautious when looking at the highest yield stocks. So I took a look at two of them that are on the list. So that means they have been paying for 25 years and raising the dividend in that time. One of those is Walgreens Boots Alliance, ticker W, B as in boy, A as in Adam, WBA. It's a number three right now. Um, it is cheap. It has a PE of just 7.3 and its dividend yield is 5.9%. Now it is reporting next week here. When I recorded this on June 20th, it's reporting next earnings on June 27th, 2023. So we're going to get another update. But the stock has really taken a pummeling here over the last five years. So it was recently at five-year lows, but it's still down 52% in the five years. Remember, S&P 500 is up 60 during that time period. Two years, it's down 36%. And even here in 2023, it's still down 12.9%. And that's why it has the dividend yielding 5.9% now because the shares keep dropping. <laughs> so it's gotten dirt cheap. I have no, no qualms about that. It is dirt cheap, but the street is really rejecting this business now. Now, remember Walgreens isn't just Walgreens anymore. Since they did combine with Boots Alliance, they are the pharmacies, but they own Boots, Dwayne Reed, number seven beauty company, um, and a couple companies in Mexico and Chile, in addition to the Walgreens. Now, how safe is this dividend? Well, um, it has raised it through either Walgreens or the current Walgreens Boots Alliance company for 47 years now. But that doesn't always mean that that is safe. As companies struggle, they do look to cut costs and look to invest more back into the business and add a 5.9% yield that is looking like, hey, maybe we could use that money somewhere else. I don't know. Um, but you always have to be on alert when you do see the dividend going higher in this way. 
um, with a company that is being rejected by the street as Walgreens Boots Alliance is. That being said, they have always been committed to the dividend and to raising the dividend as well. So um, keep that in mind as well when you're listening in on that conference call and seeing what's going on. Now, earnings are expected to decline this fiscal year 11.7%. So that's some of the reason for the weakness in the shares as well. But um, this is one with one of the highest yields in the dividend aristocrats. The Another one with some of the highest yields that we all know, and I have talked about it a lot on the podcast over the years, is IBM, ticker just IBM. And they've raised the dividend 28 years in a row now. They're also a Zach's number three. So neither one of these has a, a number four, which is the cell or the number five strong cell. Um, they're just holds, PE of just 14.8, and year-to-date, the shares are down 3%. Two years, they're down, but just 0.1%, so basically kind of flat over the last two years. And five years, they're up just 1.2%, just 1.2 over the last five years. Now, we could compare it to a couple of tech uh, other tech giants that are like peers, so to speak, it, it's almost kind of not fair to compare it to Apple, but we're gonna because that's another stock you could have bought and that pays a dividend. So that one, um, Apple, obviously hitting new all-time highs, it's up 301% over the five-year period. And then I did take a look at Sony in case you you did want to pick one that was a little bit more out of favor. Um, out of Japan, and it's up 91.4% over those five years. Now, the dividend yield on IBM is 4.8% right now. Uh, they have always paid the bigger dividend in the last uh, numerous years. It's kind of as reward for staying uh, loyal to the stock because they have to give you something if you're only getting 1.2% over five years. Uh, but Apple's also giving you something, as I mentioned, it's giving you 0.5% on its dividend yield, and Sony is paying 0.6%. Neither one is really crushing it on the dividend yield, but I believe both have share buyback plans right now. Um, obviously, Apple does, but I think Sony does as well. Um, but what do the earnings look like for IBM? Maybe the street is just getting it wrong. 2023 earnings expect to be up just 2%, 2024, 4.9%. So it is pretty slow growth here and it is pretty cheap, but you're basically just getting that dividend here with IBM. Um, but that's a big price to pay to get the 4.8% in your passive income and you're giving up whatever gain you might be able to get if you look at a dividend payer in the tech space, that's just a little bit less than what that 4.8% is. So the size of the dividend isn't always it. The growth that the company is churning out is still important. Take the dividend consistency, um, which is the passive income component, and compound it alongside the company's growth, which also compounds. 
So that's a powerful combination. It's not so powerful to just get the passive income and then not see anything else happening with the actual company. So keep that in mind. And remember, there's no sure things. We can talk about some of the ones that a lot of us thought were sure things. Disney, they suspended the dividend in the pandemic and they have not brought it back. General Electric got rid of its dividend when it ran into problems a number of years ago. Um, Haynes Brands, that was a real shocker here on the podcast itself. It was on one of these other episodes about dividends. And I warned like, oh, you know, they're they're expected to make less money this year. But this dividend is paying like four or five percent, I think it was. But they had paid it for 10 years. So I was like, you know, it could be it an issue, but they have been consistently paying it for 10 years. But then literally days later after that podcast, they announced they're cutting it and the shares plunged. So it's basically cut down. Um, I'm not sure if it's nothing or if it's just like, you know, a couple of pennies, but that four or 5% yield is gone in Haynes brands. So you don't know for sure, even with a dividend aristocrat that's been doing it for decades, there's no guarantees. Also, remember, as if you're trying to get passive income here, you're going to start small. I don't know about you, but I don't have tons of cash just sitting around to get my passive income. So I'm going to have to dollar cost average. I'm going to have to put a little bit in every month in order to build these dividends. And you may only get $5 or $10 or 20 bucks a month on average when you're first starting out buying some dividend stocks. Um, But that's still passive income, right? And that should increase the more you invest and the more you compound these stocks. So um, as you dollar cost average, the amount of passive income you get because you're buying more shares, and it is especially helpful depending on if you want the cash or not, but you have an option to have the money reinvested to buy even more shares and then you get more cash. So even if you end up, you know, only getting a, an extra $100 from a company, maybe it buys you one more share, but you're going to get, you know, whatever that dividend is for that share. So you are seeing growth in your dividends if you do it that way, but maybe you just want to take the cash too, that will work. But if you dollar cost average in, um, you know, pretty consistently, say once a month or something, even just small amounts, the amount you're getting as a dividend will slowly rise. And in the beginning, it seems kind of dumb. You'll see like a payout from a company. I've even gotten ones that are like $2, something like that. And you're like, haha, $2 just went into my account. But again, this adds up over time. It can count compound on each other. And that might just be for one quarter. So maybe I got $8 that year from that stock. But again, you have to start somewhere and it's still $8 that I didn't have before. Um, So keep that in mind too, that it's going to take a while before you're getting a hundred dollars a month in, you know, passive income from dividends. And, uh, but once you get that level, it gets kind of addicting to kind of see these payouts come into your account and it can be fun to try to grow those dividends. So be diverse, 
Don't just buy one stock because it could be Haynes Brands or Disney, which you would think would not end their dividends, but mostly do it did. Um, so be diverse. And if you think you can't be diverse, then there are things like an ETF with the dividend aristocrats. If you want to buy all those, like I said, with, with the pro shares one I mentioned earlier with ticker NOBL, or there's just other dividend ETFs that are out there that you might want to take a look at too. But an ETF isn't a bad way to get a basket of the stocks. And in this case, you would own 66 of the dividend aristocrats. So if one of them decided to stop paying it and blows up like Haynes Brands did, it crashed down when it made that announcement, it's not going to impact your overall portfolio as much as if you had just owned Haynes Brands. So keep that in mind. Diversity is good and it is your friend. But you're only going to get a, what did I say? It was 1.5% yield, I think, on the, um, I'm looking now, I think it was 1.5. Yeah, 1.5 on the ETF. So um, that's not terrible, but you might be able to cobble together something that maybe is a little bit juicier on the dividends. But again, remember that it's not always about the yield, that if you can get a yield, that's consistent plus uh, the, the shares appreciating, then that's the best of both worlds, passive income and growth on, on your shares, on your purchase. And that's being a really good investor if you do it that way. So let me recap the stocks we talked about on this episode. So there was Cintas, the uniform guys, and uh, they've been paying all those decades too. That's impressive. Ticker CTAS. We had Granger. That's that's the winner, right? 52 years. They've been paying GWW. We had Caterpillar over 25 years, um, 27 or 28 years with them now. CAT is the ticker. Then we had talked about a couple that have been paying that long, but um, high dividends, but lower returns on these. And that's Walgreens Boots Alliance, WBA, uh, W as in Wayne, B as in boy, A as in Adam, and then IBM, which is just IBM. And then the ETF again is that ProShares Dividend Aristocrat ETF, ticker N as in Nancy, O, B as in boy, L as in Larry. N-O-B-L. And as always, I'm trying to find ways for you to earn money somehow through stocks and looking at all the trends and what's going on in the economy every week here on the Zach's Market Edge. And we're almost due, I think, for another update on the economy soon with Mr. Blank. And we're going to have him on to talk about the recession options, you know, whether or not we are going to get one or we're not. It's been a couple months since he was on and the economy uh, does not seem to be slowing as much as everybody thought maybe here in the summer. So these great shows are coming up. You want to be sure to subscribe. Be sure to get us on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Amazon Music. We're on every platform pretty much where you can get podcasts, but be sure to get us there. And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. 
This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.